Are you looking forward to CubeCon? Yes, I am. I signed up for all my cubes that I wanted mm-hmm. to play on. They have like a ranked tier system so they can put people in the cubes. What cube are you most excited for? It's called the Creative Cube, but it's it's really just a, like a basic normal legacy cube mm-hmm. that's very heavily tailored to playing to the board and not as much in the like Splinter Twin stuff, which I, I think was cool because a lot of my criticisms of the legacy cube is when you your opponent just mm-hmm. something cheesy that just like doesn't really work, but it's in the legacy cube because people want to play with the cards. Mm-hmm. I, I like this cube specifically because it's not pr- trying to cheese you with like a birthing pot or whatever. The cards that just right are unsupported but in there because of tradition or whatever birthing pot i don't get because it's like never been a good cube card it's just a card that everybody expects to be in the cube i don't and i don't know why i could not tell you it's kind of like storm and vintage cube before like there was a period where storm was really cool in the vintage cube when it first came out and then like for several years it was clearly unplayable Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they printed a lot of sweet cards like a thousand year storm was one of them then there's like the windfall card in the Doctor Who set, <laughs> or, maybe, or sorry, the Lord of the Rings set. That's like four mana, yeah, the, Wheel of Fortune, the Simic one. Yeah, Underworld Breach was pretty huge too. Yeah, of course. So like Storm is good now, but like for years there was a why is this in the Vintage Cube exactly? Like it's clearly <laughs> bad, <laughs> and the novelty is worn off. It's still kind of just the, it's it's still not like a good archetype, right? But it's like. But it's it feels it's there good enough now. that you you can get there on it, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels good, which is like why you can I like actually do it. something with Lion's Eye Diamond, and and also like the wheels are just better cards, which on on the one hand means that like people might take them from you, but on the other hand means you can spec on wheels early on, and then either you get like Bowmasters, Narset, whatever, or you build a storm deck with your wheels. So yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. Which I know that people cube drafting don't really think about the wheel very often, unless they're like competitive magic players outside of that. Mm-hmm. But literally, we did a cube draft the other day where, and it was a flesh and blood cube, so it's going to be different. But essentially, I had read the pods such that I knew I was the only person interested in my deck. Mm-hmm. And I passed the most important card that made my deck function. Like it was the most important card I needed. But, but I knew no one else was going to yeah. take it. Yeah. And there was also an extremely powerful card that everyone could play in it. So I took that one. And then my card wheeled, and I'm like, I'm, I'm the best. Perfect. <laughs> now, I was and not then, talking about wheeling cards, though. I was talking about literal, like, the wheel wheels effects. effects okay. Draw seven. Because <laughs> I, I, I interpreted it the other way as well. Like, the wheel effects are good, and the cards you get off the wheel, like, the, sure. yeah. in the draft are, are also very good. I mean, yeah, that's certainly one of the benefits of drafting something that people don't love like Storm is that if you are the one drafting Storm, then you get a bunch of free cards. But also, Wheel of Fortune effects are better in this cube than they ever have been before. So if you can take those early and those cards are going to be good and then you can end up in Storm or you can end up in some sort of uh, deck that abuses them. Some sort of silly deck. Or just have Orcish Bowmasters. I didn't sign up for any of the super weird ones because mm-hmm. one of the cube styles I dislike is they're called desert cubes. If you don't know what that is, basically you're not provided a land box. So you have to draft mm-hmm. your lands and you get like the, the packs are larger and you have more of them because you're expected to draft some lands. 
but I didn't, that doesn't appeal to me. Like I don't enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather, I, I agree. Not, I would rather not draft my lands and be forced to play with them and just like have a land box and be punished with a bad mana base if I don't like value cards correctly. Mm-hmm. The whole drafting lands thing doesn't super appeal to me. Taking spells is fun. But it's there's some there's some cool cubes. I also avoided all of the stupid flavor first ones that didn't really consider gameplay because I don't want to play flavor cubes. I want, I just want to play games of magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the boat cube was one I talked about on the podcast a while ago, and I avoided that one like the plague because the the rules for that one is just your card the the cube has to have every card with a boat in the yard somewhere, and I'm not interested in doing that <laughs> you don't think that's going to be a, a mechanically cohesive cube i know it's not because i've looked at the entire cube <laughs> yes, list no i i, I know <laughs> hey everyone Welcome to episode 314 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Chris. I really appreciate the way you like have the verbal drum roll when you're, le- you're introducing me. I'm just setting you up. Yeah, I, I want it to it. feel big. It's great. I appreciate you. Good. <laughs> Lee, we got news to talk about. Capital N news? Yes, I would say it merits the the capital letter. Yeah, it's it's fine. Like it, <laughs> some news was disappointing, like the the ban list stuff. Not mm-hmm. unexpected, but a little disappointing for me. And then yeah. the play booster thing was also very contentious, to say oh, the yes. least. It's it, the contention continues. Uh, so just to go over one thing at a time. So no bans in any format pretty completely expected the entire lack of commentary just no comment at all whatsoever on the state of any format just no bans uh i guess this is what we should expect from the like quote emergency ban windows from each set is like we don't get even information except for during the like regular yearly ban window or something is i don't know if this is the precedent that they're setting but but they sure didn't mention format health at all i I think that's fine like no one's really gonna be happy if they say anything because anything they say is going to be like twisted to whatever but we love picking apart oh i oh don't get me wrong when they said that they were unbanning preordain so Merktide could be better because it was exactly. banned for a month, I we was need like, that. "You are cr- why? That that's really? so silly." Even if I liked the preordain ban, but that's what sustains it, us is, is yeah. comments like that. We need those to live. <laughs> I I love doing it, but I I really don't need them to write anything when they're not changing anything. And usually, when they don't, we we kind of got spoiled by. Because the only time they would do ban lists updates for years, the mm-hmm. last like four years or something, was when they needed to ban something, which was constantly. So they would always write an explanation. Mm-hmm. But before that time period, when there was actual scheduled ban list updates, if there were no changes, they just wouldn't say anything. Like they, they just didn't need to. They just wouldn't say anything. Yeah. And we're just kind of going back to that. Yeah. I mean, we are in a spot where like 
in the various formats, there's a certain amount of discontent about what's going on. And so I, I do understand wanting some acknowledgement of like, you know, the Racto scam is incredibly heavily played in modern and continues to be the best deck. Is that a thing that you're like, what's, what's the thoughts about that? at headquarters uh this this beans thing that's going on what uh what do we think about that is that is that a big deal you know although you know we did hear that this was not a card that was on their radar at all for constructed play so that's a that's a fun thing to learn i'm not surprised Mm -hmm. they are content in ignoring the the impact of elementals on modern until it's like right in their face (laughs) So I'm not super surprised that they're just like caught off guard by the beans of it all. I I would say like I'm not confident that they know like what is good in modern or like the constraints of the format or how it plays out. But there's some like very good, very good former players in play design and stuff. So there's certainly a level of awareness there. Now, whether anybody who like makes decisions makes use of the information that they have access to and the skill players that they have access to you know who knows my my picture of watsi is always that their people are significantly overworked mm-hmm. and like don't really have time to spend on any one task because they're just pulled in too many different directions yeah so that even if they have great right. players that actually do understand modern and i believe that's true mm-hmm. uh, they aren't really given enough time on their deadlines and stuff to do any sort of comprehensive work Right. That's and nobody's going to like so independently start advocating for, you know, if it hasn't been like assigned to them, nobody's going to start lobbying internally. Yeah, they've got for... like they've got like two standard sets and three commander sets and a secret layer to work on. Like they do not have time. Yeah, I, I think that that's 100 percent right. <laughs> uh, I also think that if we want to go into like hot takes about the formats that, that didn't receive any bans, I think that these formats, Modern and Pioneer specifically, require a lot more work to adjust if they want to reach like an optimal format than just like mm-hmm. banning a couple of cars here and there. I think it's just not feasible to do that in either format. Yeah, I agree. For- I think that, you know, particularly in modern where it's very easy to say like, oh man, scam is so good and so hard to contain and it's the most played deck in every single tournament. I think if you ban scam, then there is disaster imminent from like beans and the one ring existing and that like scam is is holding up the bulwark against just these like infinite cards in hand all free spells thing being like the thing that you can do in modern and nothing else is allowed yeah i saw a lot of takes of people disappointed they didn't ban either grief or fury uh, to, to weaken scam and I, whenever I saw this takes I'm like I get it scam is not that fun to play against mm-hmm. I believe me I understand but if you take scam out of the format in some slapdash way like that and affect nothing else the format's going to be overrun by these like card advantage value decks in mass and that yeah. is a and there's no good counter to them because we've banned every like linear fast deck that exists in the format. So these are just value decks that it can outvalue everything. And what are we doing against them now? Like, yeah, you know? here's here's what we do, right? Is we we ban scam however you feel like doing it. 
And then we unban Faithless Looting and Mox Opal because those are cards <laughs> that you really aren't running in your Beans decks. And then we see what happens from there. Yeah, and then maybe Beans is like not that good, but people still play it because they yeah. can't can't stand anything else. But I, I think you can't just ban cards. And and see, the other problem is when you ban Grief and you're like, well, now the One Ring decks are going to be too good or whatever, the Beans decks. So you ban the Beans and the Ring and whatever. Now you're left with a format of Modern that's just like, still heavily dominated by the mh2 elementals mm-hmm. even without the card advantage engines because you've taken all those out and you're just like kind of playing mh2 elementals versus whatever's left in the format and it's not it doesn't feel like it would be super engaging yeah i, I mean beans is just such a crazy card the way that it turns like turns the disadvantage of evoking the elementals on its head and at some point like when you know we've seen like Spike and uh, Tristan Wild LaRue like independently come up with these Cascade Bean decks. That's just like what I want to do is have a bunch of up the bean stocks in play and then evoking my elementals is very similar to games where you have a bunch of Risen Reefs in play and you just like it's a proactive play to evoke your elementals. You're drawing more cards than you're spending while you're killing your opponent's stuff. And you also uh, can't get rid of the Risen Reef because it's an enchantment that comes yep. down on turn two. Yep. Like you can't just ping it down with a Ren 6 or Bowmasters or whatever. Not a lot of solutions here. And like, you know, I was playing this very medium too bad is it deck, like a Narset deck that's, you know, that the top four to the showcase challenge. And part of the plan included sideboarding in engineered explosives to help contain your opponents up the beanstalks, which sounds horrible to me. So up if the these beanstalk, are the- famously a card that draws a card when it enters the battlefield. Right. And also costs two mana and playing and cracking engineer explosives to kill beans costs four mana. So you have to be getting like at least two beans with it for it to be worth it. And it's just these aren't good plans against what your opponents are doing. Beans is difficult to interact with. And I I, I do have some interest in the card Narset Parter avails. I'm like really into that idea. But uh, other ways of addressing beans are, are not exciting to me. And Narset has been a card that's been on the uptick, especially in four-color decks or yeah. sideboards, because of the prevalence of the just straight-up draw card, card advantage cards, beans yeah. and ring. And I think now we're seeing like the four-color decks just kind of largely abandoned, not abandoned, that's probably wrong, but shift away from the one ring in favor of just more beans-based decks. Yeah. If you spend five minutes on Aspiring Spike stream, a question that somebody asked in chat will trigger his automatic response of talking about how up the beanstalk appears to be just a more powerful card advantage engine than the one ring so so i I think i heard him say that like five times in the last stream that i watched like it's just it costs two mana and it draws a lot of cards any life nope which is the the theoretical balancing factor of the one ring (laughs) it's it only loses you life if there's a bow masters in play that you can't kill or a shield druid, I guess. So I, I'm empathetic to people wanting mo- the current modern format to change, but I don't think axing scam and letting all the beans run away run away with the format is actually what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. In my ideal world, we would unban some stuff uh, on the ban list and see if we can have some sort of fast linear decks back in the format because that's what's actually good against the four color card advantage cards where they just like need to spew out their stuff and they can't just set up shop and outvalue you yeah that's why scam is good like right because they they have that sort of angle where they just can scam you on turn one take all your mm-hmm. stuff 
Yeah, and it's kind of the only deck in the format that is creating this like bad game state for your opponent early enough in the game that it actually matters. There's just a lot of things that stop mattering once your opponent has two of the beanstalks in play and all of their cards are free. Right. So nothing this time. I'm I'm cool with modern for the time being. It's it's getting kind of old on me as I'm playing it more because the the beans are slowly taking over and I I'm not a big fan of these decks existing in mass. Yeah, and to be fair, the like the leagues are much heavier on the beans than stuff like the showcase challenge or the other challenges this weekend. It hasn't quite percolated out into the most competitive places yet and so you know maybe as people are a little more prepared maybe it's people didn't want to commit to you know like the cascade beans deck really just became a thing in the past week and and i mean tristan wildler did top eight the showcase challenge with his version of it just a 70 card build with multiple time warps and bring delights and that definitely seems pretty strong a good way to use having a bunch of beans in play just time warp until your opponent dies and you know maybe once this does percolate out more it's going to be a real problem even in these like higher level tournaments yeah Uh, also some part of that with the leagues being invested with beans is that scam is not a super engaging deck to play in a league because Mm -hmm. you like a lot of people just use leagues to have fun and scam is of the decks you can play in modern not the funnest even to pilot <laughs> like if sure. you're if you're not super invested in winning a bunch of games like i was talking to someone the other day who was an rcq grinder and they told me they asked me what i should pl- what they should play in their rcq and i'm like well what are your goals it's he said he wanted to win so i go okay you should play scam and he said but that deck is i played that in the last rcq and i made top four and i didn't have any fun <laughs> And I'm like, I, I'm sorry, but th- that's how you win. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I am actually, you know, looking forward to flipping the switch back to Pioneer. We we burned ourselves out on it for a while, but at some point after enough modern, it, it'll be time to, you know, sleight of hand into some Phoenixes. Minus two, my Luca. <laughs> well, minus two, my Luca. That's that's also a possibility. I'm down for that. Yeah, I'm I'm still on the Pioneer train of. I'm just going to play Lotus Field until it stops being good, which doesn't seem to be currently. So <laughs> we saw a build of a, you know, kind of similar game space deck that includes the combo of Agatha Soul Cauldron and then use Jace's Jace Vryn's Prodigy's ability to flip a larger creature into a Planeswalker. And in that deck's case, it was Nicole Bol- Nicole Bolas the Ravager. Mm hmm. Which was, I find to be a truly bizarre choice of payoff because that's a four mana card that you need to untap with in order to do the combo. It also costs red mana in a deck that has literally six red sources in it. And you could do the same thing with Valky and so flip it into I, Tybalt. I realize you can't do the same thing with Valky because okay. it's not the same type of card. Like Tybalt has a Planeswalker on the back, but it's not a transform card. It's a double face card, like a modal double face card. Mm. So, so you can't exile Dvalky and transform it because it's not that type of card. Because transform doesn't mean anything when applied to it, I guess, since right, it doesn't yeah. transform. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, anyways, I wouldn't encourage you doing it with Nicol Bolas the Ravager because it costs four <laughs> mana and also you can't cast it. But yeah, there, there's some cool things. I think Pioneer, we're, we're kind of looking at it with uh, rose-tainted lenses because it's not modern right now. Yeah. <laughs> and Agatha's Soul Cauldron is a cool card that they actually printed and it's neat in Pioneer to see what it can do. Like the, the Jeskai Ascendancy Rona Emery Cauldron deck is, is pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a new thing that you can do. Yeah, Rona Emery Cauldron just as a little package that's all in blue and is very cohesive in what it wants is is really cool. Like, there's been some cool things you can do with it in Modern, and a lot of those cards, including Mox Amber, are legal in Pioneer. So it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, I th- that's why I didn't really expect there to be any changes in Pioneer for the ban list mm-hmm. because people are still playing with these decks. Uh, the the RCs are ongoing for a bunch of different countries. Uh, America still hasn't had theirs yet. It doesn't happen until the third week of December. <laughs> That's uh, it's so long from now. I still have not planned my Atlanta trip. I didn't gonna, buy my plane tickets, even though they were on sale. When you're going to go to Atlanta, <laughs> play in your tournament, dr- uh, fly back home, and it's and like Christmas. Christmas. In two days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh! Wow. It's been six months since the last regionals yep so the oh. last the first the time frame from that one was uh march to august which is a five-month period this rcq season is from september to november which is a three-month period and it's just it feels so condensed by comparison yeah and they announced there's a third pro tour in 2024 in like june still in like so. the first half of the year yeah in june yeah which does that mean there's another pro tour or something or is it just worlds in the second half of the year or what i'm not sure the yeah the, the messaging is kind of all over the place because they revealed these promos which are super cool they look very nice they're good promos uh, yeah it was like an explore an express federation and a valcut yeah and they all look fantastic yeah they look great but i didn't i didn't go too heavily into that announcement yeah, I, I it's tough to tell exactly what is implied by it, but we do know that the third pro tour of the year is like in June. So that's there's big question marks about like what's happening in the second half of the year. Right. Like how many pro tours are there next year? Are there yeah. only three and they're just all front loaded? We'll see. Who knows? Can't speculate too much about that. We, what we do need to talk about, though, is the play play boosters. I suppose we have to talk about it. We, because we must talk about it. The people come here for our hot takes. And then we yeah. disappoint them in this portion. <laughs> well, we'll have the conversation. I don't know if they'll be satisfied with the heat of our takes. All right. So let's let's talk about play boosters as a thing. What well, is it? First, let's talk about the fact that it was in the ban and restricted announcement. They announced no bans, no, no ban updates. And then they said, and by the way, we're... Uh, getting rid of uh, draft boosters and set boosters, and we're kind of combining them into one thing, which is play boosters. And I don't understand why it was in the BNR announcement. It doesn't make any sense to me that they would put it in there. Yeah, it doesn't super matter to me that either way. Like, it's it just feels like a thing a website would do that wants you to read something. Like, yeah. people were expecting this announcement. There's no changes, so there's nothing here. But you clicked on it, so we're going to redirect you to this thing you actually might care about. Right. I mean, it just feels weird and feels like a mislead. And it's like everybody who now knows about the play boosters 
would still know about it if they announced it in a tweet or on the website or whatever. Like, this didn't expose it to more eyes. And also, putting it in front of more people, I don't think, like, benefits them in any meaningful way. Like, it's it's a product change. Like, it's just happening and will be in effect. Like, it's not like they're announcing something that you need to get into or something like that. It's just like, this is what the booster packs are. So it, it's weird to me. It doesn't really matter, but it feels weird. Sure. I I can see that. I didn't, I didn't feel either way about it. It being in the band announcement, at least like it, it could have just not been in the band announcement. I've been fine with that too. I think it's just bad PR basically to put it in the band announcement because <laughs> I think it's really easy to read that when you are disappointed because you really wanted an update to your format that you're playing and then you don't get it. And then they're like, and also this change to booster packs, which then if you don't like that either is, is pretty, you know, yeah, it's rough. It's the, the whole PR regarding this entire play booster announcement was abysmal. It was a like mess. A really, really bad in like kind of every way possible. Yeah. <laughs> you have Mark Rosewater tweeting things and needing to issue corrections. And then Blake going on Twitter, just copy pasting the article to everyone. I, I, issue it, it three. Was, have you read issue number good. three in the article? Lee? You, then they have, did a stream. He did a stream, I think, today, answering a bunch of questions with it, and that didn't really have any new information or important information either. I can't just make like, myself watch those streams. Just an avenue. I didn't watch it. I heard the recap. Yeah. Just kind of like an avenue for people to yell at Blake like he's some sort of scapegoat for the entire company. Which he is, which is what they've <laughs> yeah. done to him. Yeah, he's defi- he definitely is. He, he. I hope he gets paid way more than he actually is. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, let's, let's talk about what they actually are, because they did announce them. Basically, what happens is that let me let me pull up the article just so I have the I can read issue three out, you know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Basically, so there were two types of boosters currently right now in your local game store. There's draft boosters, which we've known since Magic's inception. You open a pack, you can draft with it. It's like, you know, 11 commons, three rare, three uncommons and a rare. Uh, and then at some point you lost a common for a basic land and at some other points you lost another common for a, a random bonus sheet card this doesn't really matter there's always like x number of commons three uncommons are rare and some other cards then they i don't know when this happened but they split it for set boosters which was a product they designed for people who just wanted to buy packs but not draft them just like straight up open them and they wanted to put more cards into them. So it was like 12 card booster packs. There was a bunch of random. There was so much fewer commons. You could get a bunch more rares in them. And you could get random cards off the list. Capital T, capital L. Which was just a collection of cards all throughout Magic's whatever. Initially kind of pitched as this way to reprint cards that were desirable but not really in print. Like Azusa was on the list at one point. Jete stuff like random cards you would recognize and be like, oh, that hadn't had reprint in a while. And it was just like oh, one of the cards on like three hundred card list, which was also some cards that were like three mana two one first strikes and stuff. So. I'm trying to. You can't interrupt me for the thing I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was 300 cards and they didn't want you to get a good rare every time on the list, they would just populate it with all these garbage commons from all of Magic's history. So you would routinely open, you know, my favorite thing was like 2-2 pro color bears from Invasion. Like, who's yeah. asking for this? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, why is this on the list? It's just it, random stuff like that. 
mostly just a source of confusion as players who like didn't know what was going on with the list would open a pack and be like why is why is there a tempest common in my brand new pack of magic cards and there were a lot of tweets just like i've seen a dozen tweets over the last couple of years just asking like what the hell is this doing in my booster pack because nobody really understood what the list was and also just the distinction between draft boosters and set boosters was inherently confusing and weird and a lot of like one was one was more expensive one was less expensive but one had more rares the more expensive one because you know rares cost more to print as Mm -hmm. everyone knows yep so the packs are more expensive yep uh Good rares in particular cost more to print, which is why Modern Horizons and like Lord of the Rings are are so expensive. Yeah, a little more expensive, right? Yeah. This is just known in the industry. So (laughs) what happens was you would get draft boosters allocated to stores for like running events and pretty much everything else. Watsy wanted you to sell set boosters for like the stores, because if people weren't if people were just buying boxes to buy boxes and didn't want to draft them, the set boosters were better to buy. They just you had more chances of op- opening up rares and random other cards from the list that were actually worth money and weren't two two commons. But the the allocation issues meant that like it got so bogged down where people just didn't ever have enough draft boosters to do events. Like even now locally, if you go to an event in our area, CCR, the drafts that are happening are just like whatever people have left over because mm-hmm. they have like a set amount of draft boosters and after. The for initial allegations gone. They don't like order more. It's just set boosters or nothing. And then the drafts you do are just whatever product you have left. And it's kind of miserable, but people still show up and play drafts because the drafts are legitimately fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that having these two separate boosters that are like confusingly, like not that different, like it's easy to parse the difference between a collector booster and the other boosters. And like, I don't really have any problem at all with collector boosters like you know you know what it is you know why it's like very expensive and if you want it and you're choosing to pay money for it then you understand what you're getting the difference between draft boosters and set boosters is weirdly subtle and confusing and only like a a, like a dollar difference or, or even less than that or something and it's not easy to understand and it's really difficult to explain to new players so i i think that it is it was and and we talked about this at the time like that it was just a negative to have both set boosters and draft boosters and i i don't have a problem inherently with like resolving that weird gap between the two especially because logistically it did create these big problems for stores and (laughs) according to mark rosewater like limited was on the verge of of dying out because of it i i I have a lot to say about that though i actually believe that Mm -hmm. because it's just like kind of obvious like looking around right now the limited is not doing great with especially these type type of boosters and if stores are only ordering set boosters because that's what they can sell and they don't know like how many drafts are actually going to fire and how many draft booster boxes people are actually going to buy it's just like gets to a point where you can't run drafts because you're not ordering the product because you're not selling that type of product. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really disingenuous like presentation of the data though, right? Because it's like drafts aren't firing for a number of reasons. One of them being like draft boosters don't really exist because we've created this product that supplants yeah. draft boosters and so like our numbers that we've like 
kind of artificially created mean that a lot of set boosters go out rather than draft boosters and so there's less material to draft with also covid broke a lot of people's habits of going to fnm to draft also arena exists and i think that that's something that hasn't been talked about very much but the fact that you can just pull up arena and draft whenever you feel like it pulls a, i think a lot of people away from drafting in person but limited is still happening people are still playing a ton of limited on arena it exists and so i i think it would be wild to like stop designing sets for limited play like i can't imagine that that would end up making sense no i, I agree with you i also think it's the whole framing of the issue is watsi has identified a problem and then this is the play boosters are their fix to solve it basically combining set and draft boosters right but the issue is also created by watsi by introducing set boosters yes exactly which is, yeah which like at some point like the genie's out of the bottle they're not going to stop making set boosters because it makes them a lot of money in their business so therefore between the choice of keeping draft and set boosters or just dropping draft boosters they're going to do that yeah <laughs> so the play boosters are the the solution in that regard even if like we're never ever going to go back to just straight draft boosters it's just like not going to happen right and you know what ultimately i like this implementation like i'm just not mad about it's fine it doesn't matter right so i we can go into tiny little details about it just in case people haven't heard about it because basically what the play boosters are is let me pull up the stupid graphic they have so you've got six commons seven commons let's call it because the seventh common is either just a normal common or a common from the list or a card from the list sorry which will most likely be a common then you got your three uncommons those are still there you got your one rare your mythic that's still there you got your basic land you got your uh, non-foil card that can be anything uh, can be a common through a mythic and it can be on the list or cannot be on the list then you've got your foil there's a foil in every pack now uh, and that can be on the list or not on the list it can be anything the basic land if you get a foil basic land it just replaces the basic land in the pack it's not replacing a common or anything like that and then your 15th card is like your token card there are only 14 playable cards in a pack now going down from 15. and it's interesting that <laughs> like one of the concerns is that there aren't enough comments for limited now and i i know we've been around for a very long time but a lot of listeners probably don't remember this uh, a long time ago there just wasn't a guaranteed land in every booster pack and they changed that in shards of alara that was the very first time they were like all right we're dropping a common from every pack and we're putting a basic land in there and one of the things they said at the time was that this this is going to be a net, a net positive change because uh, instead of having that like 15th draft chafe you'll just have a basic land and it'll be mm -hmm. better and we'll just design fewer garbage cards for limited fewer 15th pick cards for limited and that just like didn't happen but right. who cares, right? Yeah. And they gave the exact same reasoning for dropping the the extra card in the pack because you're going from 15 cards to 14 cards. Mm -hmm. And they gave the exact same. We're just not going to get. We're just not going to design like draft chafe level cards anymore. And that's just like clearly false. And who cares? <laughs> it is the only thing that makes it more likely to be true now is that they have shifted the numbers in the set, and so now in a normal set there will be 
fewer commons and more uncommons. Like they've swapped the numbers yes. on those. So there is less room in building a set to put just, you know, unplayable commons in there. Yeah. So let's talk about the list real quick because we talked about it earlier and that was like 300 cards of whatever from everywhere else. And it was just a, a whole giant list. You couldn't ever figure out what was on it until you opened a card and you just didn't know what it was. Uh, now they're shrinking it significantly and tailoring it per set. So it's basically a bonus sheet for that set. Uh, and this, these play boosters start in Karlov Manor, which is the, the set after Ixalan. So Ixalan doesn't have play boosters, but the, the set after it will. So now the list is going to be uh, 50 cards. So you've got your 10 special guest cards, and those are actually in the Ixalan set. They're just like uh, reskins of cards in... They're reprints, but reskinned for the plane. Uh, Lord of Atlantis or Mana Crypt was the ones from Ixalan that were spoiled. They've got gorgeous art from, they've got Ixalan vibes, like the, the totemic Mana Crypt, basically. Uh, yeah. And the Lord of Atlantis that looks like it belongs on Ixalan. Like those would be special guest cards. Uh, and they're just going to be included randomly in packs. Uh, the other 40 cards from the list are going to be 10 rares. And then like the rest are commons and uncommons, but they'll be tailored for the draft environment. The rares, I think, are just whatever, probably just reprints. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'd be, it would be funny to like open a Jitte and put it in your, your draft sure. pool. And that, that would be funny. But the, the commons and uncommons are probably just going to be a bonus sheet cards for like whatever your hatching plants or what have you. And that's how you get the extra like rarity ups in your packs. Because you yeah. can get up to four rares. And the percent that also that's been so overblown. I really have avoided saying it until just now. Yeah. Because the, the, the ratio is <clears throat> like, right. Two rares in 37% of these packs, three rares in 4%, and four rares in, I think it's well under 1%. It's like 2,000 boosters or something like that before you get yeah, a four rare it, pack. It's very low. But you're basically getting two rares in like, a decent number like, of them yeah yeah a decent number of packs which is honestly kind of where what we're used to from all the bonus sheets recently especially mm -hmm. with march of the machine where it really did feel like you got two rares in a pack yeah like a vast majority of the time uh and, th and this is just like kind of the same as it's ever going to be and I, for the what, the record i think two rare boosters are desirable in, in general like i, Do I really double, like double masters, masters was fun yeah yeah exactly and I, I just think that's kind of how things should be. I like bonus sheets, so I'm fine with the list as long as they curate it reasonably, which, you know, we'll see. Uh, Watsi's product design is typically pretty good. Uh, it's designed to make them money, so they do try to make people buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think an important thing to keep in mind here, right, is that the structure of draft booster packs was not scientifically designed to create the best possible limited environment. It's just the way packs were put together. 15 right. cards, one rare per pack, and then, you know, different things in later sets that, that do things differently. And it's not like this is the ideal for a booster pack to draft with. It's just that the sets were designed with these numbers in mind. You get one rare in each pack, you get three uncommons, you get this many commons, whatever is in the like special slots. Does, they designed the sets for those numbers. So we're just kind of starting over with different numbers and they get to design the sets for these numbers. And if that includes 
upping the power level of commons some, upping the power level of uncommons some to make up for the fact that, yeah, some people will have more rares in their sealed pool or whatever. Like that can be part of it. Making like more build around rares and stuff like that could be a part of it too. You know, like there's a lot of things that could be incorporated into designing these sets that like if we were in the alternate universe where this is just how packs were always constructed, then we wouldn't be batting an eye at it. Like there, there's nothing inherently correct about one rare per pack. I, I also think generally speaking that a higher density of uncommons makes for more fun, limited formats mm-hmm. because uncommons are where you get your, your more common build arounds your slightly more powerful cards, slightly more unique cards, a little more complex, right? That are and, not worm coil engines or whatever. Right. And and like you're burning vengeances or spider mm-hmm. spawnings or whatever if you're doing Innerstraat draft. Yeah. And I, that's like my favorite spot. And that's why I, I really dislike popper cubes as a like format because it's yeah. all just commons are super simple. You just draft two for ones. And that's kind of popper cube of the format. Uh, but when you go into uh, whatever it's called, peasant, which is commons and uncommons, it gets a lot more interesting because all of a sudden you have a lot more build arounds to actually take part in your format Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're not just you can't just like get away with card advantage versus boggles essentially which is how i kind of view popper cubes a lot of the time yeah i think that so my main like criticisms of this like and how these packs are constructed now is i don't understand why we lost one playable card per pack i don't like i don't get why that had to happen and i feel like there should just be one more common slot in each of these packs. And can I it, can I go off on that or do you want to keep going? No, go for it. So I really don't like this change, and I actually have good context for it. It might be a little weird, but in Flesh and Blood, you can draft it, right? It's 15 card packs, just like Magic. Uh, and they've changed their like drafting formula, you set by set, essentially. In the first set I drafted. It was, you know, 15 card boosters. You drafted all the cards in the back. There was like one token that was extra, 16th card. And you, the decks were reasonable and good. In the next set I drafted, there were 15 card boosters, but there were 16 card boosters, but two of them were tokens instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And that draft format had its like kneecaps shattered from underneath it because you just like were struggling for playables at the end of the pack just yeah. due to the way flesh and blood is designed and stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like one of the big complaints about people who draft a lot were, can we, by God, can we please get the 15th card back? We just yeah. need another chaff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just don't, there's no explanation for why it's just issue one. There weren't enough cards. A set booster has 12 playable cards, plus an art card and a token card. A draft booster has 15 playable cards. If we were going to make the booster playable and limited, we had to up the total number of playable cards in the booster. We combined the art card and token card into one slot and added two playable cards. What? Why not add three playable cards? Why not just make it the same number of cards that a draft booster has always had? I don't, I don't get it. This doesn't, there's no explanation for it. Like, just throw in another common. Like, it's it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with what you say about, like, that commons, like, an all-common cube is boring. Yes. Just kind of, by definition, it's going to be boring. But commons, as defining a draft format that includes uncommons and rares, are incredibly important. And, you know, your theme existing at common means that the, there's a certain density of these effects, and you can 
tell people what your set is about and you can draft about it. So you do need a certain yeah, number of commons blocks. available, right? You do need these building blocks. And also if all of the rares and uncommons are going to have like eight pages of text on them and like five sides or whatever we're doing, then you do need a certain number of relatively simple cards. And I don't know what the perfect number of commons per pack is, but if you draft with eight players, a 15 card pack makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, or 16-card pack for that matter. Yeah, but. sure. <laughs> it, it will be weird now with the wheel being reduced. Mm -hmm. It will take me a little bit to get used to. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't get why we just like lost a card. I also don't love that it just will make drafting necessarily more expensive because the booster packs are more expensive. And that is definitely a, a bummer, especially for people who, you know, magic is like their luxury and... and it, can be it, it can be really expensive no yeah that that's the by far worst part of this announcement it's just we made set boosters so people could play a little more and get a little more uh, expensive cards and they outsold obviously the draft boosters and now we're combining them but we're keeping the higher price point yeah. and you know sucks if you didn't care about set boosters because now you have to yeah that really bites and it's just like clearly a business driven we want money decision more than a like player focused decision and i guess that, that i mean that's just the world we live in that is a bummer uh one other thing that i think is happening here is that uh sealed is going to continue to get worse and i feel <laughs> like sealed has been sidelined and both just like bad, like a bunch of these good draft formats were bad sealed formats because of bonus sheets and and whatever and and just like wildly unbalanced pools and et cetera, et cetera, or, or like pools where all that really matters is that you get enough fixing to play all of your rares. And if you don't get enough fixing, then it's really disappointing. Like there's just like a lot of really awkward stuff going on in, in recent sealed formats. And I think this kind of like making packs potentially more top heavy and including a little bit more variance and the number of rares you get is going to just kind of definitionally make sealed worse which i think would be okay if they were really phasing sealed out but if you want to run a limited rcq you have to play sealed not and yep. there basically aren't there's no other option for it you can't just do a draft RCQ, which would be sick, and I would play. Any it, that I, I would get travel. To. Yeah, I like, drive. You don't travel as far as I do, but I know you would go with me to any I, of them. I would. I would go to Wilmington to play a, an, an all draft RCQ for sure. Yeah, it'd uh, be fantastic. It would be cool as hell. Uh, also, like all of the arena, and, and and I think that's one of the reasons that limited RCQs just don't exist is because it has to be sealed, and and sealed is a bummer. And they don't even try. I'm sorry for interrupting you. But no, they don't no, even no. try the limited, like the draft RCQ thing. Because if for a season they were like, all right, you can either do standard or limited RCQs, but instead of the sealed RCQs, we're going to do draft RCQs. Mm -hmm. And here are some guidelines on how to run them and whatever. But now they're draft. You don't have to play sealed. How much do you think attendance of those limited RCQs would skyrocket? Because I, I do think it would be yeah. significantly more. I'd love to see at least. Because this way you play on Arena too. Yeah. Like you just draft on Arena. You don't play sealed on Arena. See, the, that's the crazy thing though. Is right. You play draft on Arena. That's 
that's what a lot of people do as their entire arena consumption is just jam back to back to back drafts because drafting is fun as hell. Like a lot of times uh, that was my magic consumption was just like, oh, the new set came out. I will do 50 drafts on arena of this set. It's that that's how people play limited magic. And that's how a lot of people play on arena. But then the arena open rolls around or qualifier weekend rolls around and it's limited and day one is sealed. A, a format that has been neglected by design and also they've never updated the sealed deck builder on arena. So it's like an incredibly painful process that you have to use a third party site to do any of. And I don't understand why they are forcing sealed into these like as the gatekeeper into competitive limited tournaments when we could just not do sealed anymore. They're ignoring it at the design level. And so why, why do we have to keep playing it? It's like a historical holdover. Cause this is what they did when, you know, PTQs like single P PTQs mm-hmm. were kind of like low level GP attended events. Right, You have hundreds <laughs> of players. Yeah. You can't draft <laughs> if you have a 300 person PTQ. Yeah, in paper, it would be like too infeasible. You mm-hmm. can just hand a bunch of people packs and open, but that's not the environment we play Magic in anymore. So why are we still doing sealed stuff? And can I pause right there real quick? Because there's yeah. a thirty second, which I'm gonna link you. Blake's answer on sealed RZQs someone linked in Discord, and I haven't listened to it yet, and I wanted to listen to it while we're on this. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah. So in that video. <laughs> A question is asked on stream, is, is there any thought to de-emphasizing sealed as the competitive limited format? And The then, only competitive limited format. Yeah, because any limited tournament you play, you have to play sealed before you get to draft. Unless you're literally playing at the first order. Yes. And then Blake's answer to that is just, it's not the competitive format. 95% of sealed is at pre-releases and that you draft at the Pro Tour completely ignoring everything that we just talked about but blake what about the five percent what, what yeah. about the five percent blake and and it's it's you know that's a logical fallacy it's not that it doesn't matter that 95 percent of sealed play is pre-releases pre-releases if 100 percent of competitive limited play includes sealed as part of it like that's that's what's being asked about not sealed yeah. as a whole Right, like pre-releases can stay sealed. Like pre-releases should stay sealed because draft is intimidating for very new players, which is what pre-releases typically mm-hmm. end up having a bunch of. Yeah, like here's your packs. Have your partner or your friends help you build your pool. Yeah, you're good to go. That's fine. And but it doesn't matter if driving, it kind of sucks because it's a pre-release. You're just there to look at new cards. Yeah, new cards have fun. It's late at night sometimes, so whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> But when you're driving to an RCQ like an hour or so away and it's sealed, like, why would I want to make that trip? No, I just can't justify it. And, you know, <sighs> it's a live stream. Like, I'll. Uh, it's hard to answer all the questions and you may not have totally thought it through, but that was definitely completely ignoring the question that was being asked to answer with something like totally irrelevant it doesn't matter that most limited that people play or most sealed that people play is that i i would argue most limited that people play is it's releases pre-releases yeah that that is probably true 
but that's not the question, right? No. <laughs> like the question are we is, we're going to move away from sealed. And the why does no. why is the only way to play competitive limited to have this like drudgery of sealed that I have to to force my way through in order to get to the the promised land of draft? I have loved every PTQ RPTQ top eight that I've had where I got to draft was like the most fun experience. Like I remember every draft that I've done of those. Yeah, I do too. I remember vividly trudging through an Ixlon sealed RCQ, uh, which I don't know if you've played. I know you've played Ixlon, but I don't know if our listeners played a lot of Ixlon, like limited. It's not great. Uh, and the draft format is somehow also not great, <laughs> but I still was so happy to like finish the sealed portion and get to the draft <laughs> because I knew I could like have a way more control of what yeah. I was doing. You, you feel much more in control of your own destiny. And and I'm a sealed apologist in many ways. I do think it's more like skill testing and potentially interesting than a lot of people grant it. But given how I think that it has been ignored recently and also just like how it, it's just not very fun anymore. I, I, I yeah, I, I, I think that this whole thing would would go down a little bit easier if they were just like, yeah, we're not really going to do sealed anymore for competitive tournaments. You get to arena open day one, you, you get to draft because it's what people want to do. And if anyone comes at me with a like logistically, it's very troublesome to do drafts. Mm -hmm. That's just like not true. Like I've played in multiple local draft only limited tournaments in magic and flesh and blood has their entire uh nationals season like qualifying for nationals it, the draft you do it via draft tournaments so it's it's not like an impossible reality it's just not tried because it blizzard doesn't have to i guess you've got to register and build a sealed pool and drafting is like a not dissimilar amount of time i mean if you need to draft like multiple times for to get through swiss or something then that that is obviously complicated but i don't know there's there's ways to make this work. Right. But I mean, someone made a good point in one of the discords I was in. I don't know which one, so I'm sorry if I'm just repeating your words. But uh, someone said that their local RCQ for sealed just tops out at 32 players. So instead of doing sealed tournament, you can just do draft mm -hmm. uh, for those players like two pods have the top uh, two from each pod. Go to the next pod, like go to the top eight. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the 64 player like cube events and and drafts on moto like they're cool people like them they don't always fill up but they are fun and they feel really good to to top eight those similar structure yep okay so that's <laughs> that's that's limited rcqs and how yep. they should not be sealed nope they should and also how play boosters just like don't i don't think you're gonna be the end of magic like no i don't think seems so to think. I, I think it's okay <laughs> also i can't wait to lose to gobble guide into it was always jate and, and play <laughs> draft <laughs> i think that would be hilarious i can't wait to see that happen at the pro tour oh that would be the best <laughs> all right well perhaps a a brief look at modern stuff from this weekend especially because the showcase challenge happened i always like to spend some some time looking at showcase challenge results i don't know talking about the game of magic <laughs> instead of just the meta commentary on the mm. business I don't, I don't know if i'm capable I, I only played in one rcq this past weekend 
I only played in one RCQ this past weekend. I got brutalized in it. I also kind of got brutalized by Collins Mullen mm-hmm. and Will Polium were my losses for oh, that RCQ. Brutal. Yep. <laughs> I just I just want a quick like O two O four drop and then played some games with Max before leaving the store. So that, uh, that I, was... did, I didn't I didn't lose early enough. <laughs> Our I I did have a cool play against I think I've talked about this on podcast before where like I'm playing against Collins. He knows I'm playing scales. He's playing scam. He wins the die roll and doesn't scam me on turn one with a Kripa seven cards. So he's got Dolphy Voidwalker in his hand, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so I throw my walking ballista in the graveyard on turn one uh, in the hopes that I'll draw an Agatha Soul Cauldron later in the game to utilize that ballista. Because mm-hmm. I don't have enough lands to like play it for two. I also got another ballista in my hand, so it's not even the worst. Sure. And the last turn of the game, I say, all right, if there's any justice in this world, I draw Agatha Soul Cauldron this turn. And I reveal the top card of my deck, and it's a Pendlehaven again. Mm-hmm. I, I lose. I won't but cut it. There's just no justice in the world. It's the no, same right it'd be there. nice to get reward, rewarded for that play. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I set myself up for it. Yeah. Uh, showcase challenge was won by Scam, but like eight, eight-ish different decks in, in the top eight here. So tough to really advocate for a ban if this is stuff that's going on. Uh, Tristan Wild LaRue, as we mentioned earlier, top aided with a Cascade Beanstalk deck, which is different from the Aspiring Spike deck that started floating around this past week, although also recognizing the power of Commandeer in a Beanstalk-heavy portfolio. But Cascade into Beans, and then you have a lot of spells that trigger the Beans, including Time Warps, Bring the Lights for Time Warps, and uh, Tristan was playing three murderous cuts as like additional bad leyline bindings but leyline binding is really good so yeah i, I kind of like that choice the murderous cuts mm-hmm. the three seems like a lot to me but it is a 70 card deck list so yeah uh, whatever it's just like a nice to have an extra removal against even if you have to play it a little later in the game and it does trigger beans one of the things i have been really happy about the bean stacks uh, is if they're trying to cascade into beans, they're cutting a lot of their early interaction in the form of red and six and prismatic ending. Yep. And if that's the case, you do have like this window to like get under them before they can bury you and force them to have um, elementals early in the game, which they'll they'll get their cards back. But you want to like make sure you you land important permits and then just kill them before they can try get get a good grip on the game. Yeah. Uh, and the Cascade decks do give up that like little portion that the normal four color decks do not. Yeah, makes like Ragavan significantly better against them, and yeah, you, you do have a little bit, but it does mean that playing any sort of mid rangey game where you're you concerned about buried. card count, yeah, is not not where, where it's at. Uh, Tristan's deck also just had two main deck endurance, so you can just like loop time warps basically forever. Yeah, one thing I saw in, I don't know what, where I saw this, but someone posited that Teferi from the Brothers War, I think, the blue one that makes a spirit with vigilance that mm-hmm. like it's a plus one kind of whenever you draw a card. Mm-hmm. Like that would be an, an interesting finisher for all of these beans decks because <laughs> you, you like, Teferi gets a card whenever you draw, a, a loyalty counter whenever you draw a card. Yeah. So you can just make 
basically constructs of gigantic creatures. Uh, and Teferi's ultimate is a board wipe that'll come up very quickly when you're drawing cards off beans. That is kind of sweet. It is a very like five mana, like I actually cost five mana yeah, it's sort of an, card. It, it is an actual five mana card. And I don't think you play like four or whatever. It's just like a card you can play. It, sure. it does keep your blue count up, especially if you're playing Commandeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't hate it. It was like an idea I thought was interesting. I don't I don't remember where I saw the list with the Teferis in it. I know that the list I saw had way too many Teferis in it, but it was like an interesting angle, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, a one or two of I, I wouldn't be offended by. A uh, little burn in the top eight, some rhinos in the top eight. Def Jad with Amulet Titan, so congrats to him for that. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything like super crazy. I, I do appreciate Menino Ney playing Living End. Oh, maybe that was from one of the other challenges, actually. But top 16 one of the challenges this weekend with uh, his build of Living End, which does not play Grief, which I think makes a fair amount of sense given that like I, I i mostly like it because it backs up my uh sideboarding plan against rakdos scam where i was just like i think you don't want griefs in this matchup and if we're, if we're cutting them from the main deck it's because we don't want griefs in the matchup so i i respect that choice a lot and i i like the deck building thought process there even though i think that the deck as a whole is like significantly lower powered without grief in it if you're trying to address this very specific meta and try to bring living in still then that may be how you have to do it uh also this like is it control deck that's just like a snapcaster mage flame of anor deck that i tried today and was miserable i don't recommend anybody play this this deck from the showcase yeah i'm I'm kind of like looking at this uh, person. A Andrew Barbosa is the, the mm -hmm. blue red control player. Uh, I'm just kind of like scrolling through their Twitter when they are talking about the the deck, and they said they built it the night before. Yeah, uh, didn't do any like serious testing with it, and just kind of played well and, and did good. Yep. Doesn't doesn't super offer any changes that he would make, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that something there's something here in some ways. Uh, I like the like blue red control deck with Ragavans in the sideboard. I think is smart and good. Mm -hmm. I like. I do like Flame of Anora, Snapcaster Mage. Just generally, I think that if you can build an instant speed deck, that this is a nice payoff for for that whole thing. Uh, for Flame of Anora's got a little bit clunky but i don't know what what is exactly the right composition also like archmage's charm just would have been better than flame of anora in a lot of spots that i ended up in so a little little odd to, to experience that also if you are go leaning into narset and you think that it's like this is a way to address beans having two copies of narset in the 75 i just don't think is enough and the two murktide regions in the deck i think are we're just like really atrocious and completely at odds with the philosophy of the rest of the deck so those are my thoughts after playing it oh also playing consider when preordain is legal feels really bad and i get it it's because if you play preordain then you're forced to snapcaster mage at sorcery speed which costs a lot of mana and most of your deck is instant speed but casting consider on turn one when you could be casting preordain you feel really bad it's also a lot better 
like pre ordering significantly better later in the game. Yeah. Like by a, a big order of magnitude. At, at, at all times when you're not flashing it back with Snapcaster Mage, like preordain is hugely better. Yeah. I this deck is kind of interesting. I I don't like it at all. I, I would have loved to know what the matchups like Andrew got on mm-hmm. his way. Cause it does not seem very good against scam to me. <laughs> Mm, yeah i mean if you draw like a lot of snapcaster mage flame of an then i think it's fine you're good to go but okay. and like you know lightning bolt unholy heat is fine at keeping you from dying to them but yeah there's a stuff in here that is not as but good you don't have scam. the pressure tools that like the regular merc tide decks do so like <laughs> your pressure is snapcaster mage yeah <laughs> that is not very good for sure you already talked about how bad like merc tide is in this deck yeah and and snapcaster mage in particular just like Orcish Bowmasters exists. What is this 2-1 ever? It's like that that leftover value from Snapcaster Mage is worse than it's ever been. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm not bullish on four on blue-red control. I, yeah, me neither. I think if you're a Snapcaster enthusiast, I can't convince you to put them down, but if you're not, stay away. <laughs> uh I agree. Uh, anything else you like particularly care about in this challenge? Because I, the only thing that's remarkable to this challenge to me is that there are a lot of burn decks, <laughs> or not challenge, showcase challenge. Yeah, I mean a lot of burn decks make sense. A lot of these beans decks uh, are pretty bad at gaining life. Like you've got Omnath, and then you have Solitude Tricks, and that's about it. Uh, and so, in particular, Roiling Vortex. Especially if you're trying to cascade into beans, Roiling Vortex is a brutal one. Yeah, that adds like a whole new dimension to the four color deck being like pretty good against burn until you resolve Omnath and gain life. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, if you if your burn player has a bad hand that includes Roiling Vortex, all of a sudden it's insane against you. Yeah. Because your cascade cards don't work. <laughs> yeah, and your Omnath doesn't gain you life. So right. what, do you, what do you do? So that, that was yeah. like the only remarkable thing. I, I still don't. I'm not a big fan of burn. I do think it's reasonable, and I, I don't expect it to win a showcase challenge outright. But it wouldn't shock me if it gets one every now and then. Yeah. Or like crushes an RCQ or something. I I think it's an okay choice that I will continue to not choose because it's just such a bummer of a deck to play. I don't have any particular opinions on the play patterns. I just. Oh, I just mean you just lose at some point and there's nothing you can oh, do yeah. about it at all. And that happens a lot. Yeah, I played I played against Burn this past weekend in a very early round. And, you know, on hard scales, it, the matchup is literally just like I play Patchwork Automaton. Well, yeah. Sometimes you don't even have to. Hmm. You just like pay Patchwork, play all your zero cost cards from your hand <laughs> with that, <laughs> when they don't have a Vortex out, and then you just kill them with the Patchwork. Yeah, that's the scam play pattern that usually is what beats burn is put a fury into play and now you're the aggro deck. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. Also, I in that particular match, my opponent didn't realize that Ward would counter all of Searing Blaze, which it does. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah, that's tough. So that's that was rough, but scoreboard. <laughs> Um, I guess the other thing, so, you know, a couple of things that are good against beans, right? We have seen, like, yeah, burn with a Roiling Vortex. That's a good way of addressing it. Big mana generally can be pretty strong against it. 
I, you know, I, I'm not into Cabal Coffers, but if you use Undering Titan, your Beans opponent, they'll deck themselves before they can do anything to you. Uh, yeah, I actually think the... I'm, I'm a hater of the Coffers deck, but mm -hmm. I think it's really good against Four Color. Like, yeah. really good. Especially the, I, the, the more they're Beansing, I think the more you can, like build your deck to leverage just going over the top of them drawing cards yeah it's it's one of the weirdest like non-beans versus beans mm -hmm. mid-range deck matchups where just like the non-bean deck is clearly favored yeah it is it's it's odd but it's mostly just because of the card cabal coffers and i you know i can get a sundering titan you can't stop me i will kill your lands and now you can't kill me before you deck yourself <laughs> Uh, Tron also can do a similar thing, especially if you're playing like Warping Whale for their time warps, then they don't really have a way to like beans you out generally. So, you know, playing big mana against them can be good. The Another thing that I've seen is just the Phyrexian Crusader is... Uh, that card sucks. I have seen it. You're right. People are playing it, but it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bad strategy that likely isn't going to work out for you, but the card has been you know it's hard for them to deal with they can't kill it no amount of life gain stops infect from killing them they have to like time warp you out of the game somehow uh you know it's cute there's no way that it becomes a mainstay part of the format though yeah i saw a screenshot today of someone putting plus one plus one counters or something on a fraction crusader and somehow killing their opponent with it yeah spike was playing a mono black cauldron deck with you know oh that's what it was Phyrexian Crusader and Soul Cauldron and Bloodgasts and uh, Carrion Feeders and Gravecrawlers. I do love me a four egg of the Soul Cauldron deck in Modern. That's well, a, that's good, good clean living right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's honest work. You also get to sideboard into being like the best Fulminator Mage egg of the Soul Cauldron deck you've ever seen. <laughs> so just keep bringing back Bloodgasts and killing their lands with your blood ghasts how does the blood ghast get a counter oh the cauldron it's the cauldron but you you need creatures for the cauldron to give a counter it was a stitcher supplier deck too and the whole deck was creatures this, is, this deck is sick carrion yeah. feeder too because of the because of the synergy yeah it was a sick yeah. like it was very cool there's not a lot of room to like play around with the pieces because it's 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 pretty tight i i think probably the priest of the forgotten gods was going a little too deep but yeah that's somebody doing a zombie yeah activated ability is also not like incredible it gets yeah. worse and worse the more creatures you have yeah. <laughs> you have to sacrifice that would be but, like a cool deck if bridge from below was legal yeah true <laughs> like i like i don't even think it'd be good it would just be sweet yeah we're not we're not getting that one back i'd, I'd advocate for it i'm not afraid bridge from below did nothing wrong like that's definitely true yeah, it got banned for another broken card named Hogak. Yes. Just like Moxable got banned because of Oko. <laughs> and if anything, the banning of Bridge from Below made Hogak more dominant in the format. Yeah, it definitely did. Anyway, we're veering off topic. We are. I, I, I think, think we're that done. We've hit everything we need to hit for the day. I'm going to eat some dinner. You haven't eaten dinner yet? Oh, because you streamed. Yeah, and I streamed. Late. Yeah. I haven't eaten dinner either. So yeah, we'll, we'll break for dinner and then we'll come back and record another podcast. And just do another. Well, I, I I had a request for another for two podcast episodes today. I, I, really? I, yeah, on on stream, my friend. 
uh, Adrian was like, I've listened to all of the MTG grind casts. I need you to record more, like preferably two tonight. So, you know, we have to do a second one. Well, we're gonna have to figure out what we're doing next week because I will be been coming back from KubeCon, so it might just be like a story time. Yeah, I love those episodes. Because I don't have, I'm not gonna be paying attention to anything else that whole weekend. I'll pay attention to other stuff. We'll be fine. Hopefully, nothing crazy happens. Like I can't handle a Play Boosters 2.0 a day on Twitter. That seems unlikely at this point, but who knows? All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. You can catch the podcast recorded live on twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast or just catch me streaming Tuesdays, Thursdays, and the weekends. Uh, yeah. Chat, thank you for hanging out. Appreciate it. Everybody else, yeah. have a great week. Good night. Go. Goodbye. Later. <laughs> Later. See ya. Peace. <laughs>